men's work, much newer, you know, 10 years ago, if I talked about a men's group outside of Boulder, no one knew what that was. No one had any idea. I was like a weirdo. Now? back to another episode of Dear Men. I have my one of my favorite guests with me again, Jason. Thank you so much for being here. Excited to be back. Hello, everybody. And today we're talking about, is it easier to get into a relationship as a man or a woman? And all the things that sort of go along with that. And one of the things that we're going to be bringing into today's episode is survey responses. So I poll my listeners. Anyone who wants to join can join by emailing me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. Just say, add me to the big sexy data set. So I hit up my big sexy data set today and I asked them this question and I asked them a few other questions that we'll get into during the episode. So I actually have some views to share with you. If you hear a quote on this podcast from a listener, it is because that person consented to a quote being pulled from their responses. And those responses are always kept anonymous on the podcast. So if you want to join the big sexy data set, know that your information will always be kept confidential and it will be kept anonymous on the podcast if I'm if I'm sharing it on the podcast. So this will be me and Jason talking about this and also bringing in perspectives from you. So, uh, yeah, so before we sort of get into that um, part, um, I think this is a really fun question. I mean, I think it gets at some really deep stuff, but it's also just a great, <laughs> I feel like it's one of those great questions that reveals a lot about the person answering the question, right? As well as sort of totally. dynamics in our world. But the if you ask this at a party or you ask it of like your group of friends, it's, it's a pretty fun conversation starter. Is it easier for men or women to get into relationships? And also just to name that for the purpose of this podcast, we're mostly taking a heteronormative frame for this. So hetero men and hetero women, or um, however a person identifies people that are in doing man-woman dynamic type things. Um, so yeah, so I'm curious, Jason, uh, just to hear your off-the-cuff response of what was your first, like what would your first answer be if someone were like, is it easier for men or women to get into relationships? Yeah, I mean, my first response hearing this was like, it depends, (laughs) which isn't a black and white answer. But, you know, I think it just depends on who, when and like where and what stage of life. I think there's arguments, arguments to be made that it's actually extraordinarily hard for both sides, depending on where they're at in life. And that um, it also, I think, just depends a lot on a person's personal history and experiences and the way we can often take our orientation to the world and kind of map it onto reality, even though, uh, you know, one thing I just want to name for, for every, let's say trend you and I might name today, uh, we could probably find a dozen contradictions. Yeah. Like, so no matter what anyone answers, uh, we could hit your big sexy data set and find someone who totally contradicts that. 
because relationships for both sides are incredibly complex, ever-changing things, and it's just not the same. That said, we'll probably speak to a few patterns today that many people tend to experience. Um, but you know, being a guy who works with men, what I tend to hear more is that um, you know women hold more power, and that uh, men have a harder time particularly men that are attracted to working with me and you um, have a harder time getting into relationship. And most of them, not all of them, but most of them would probably say that. Yeah. And this is a quote from the research. This is a, um, a straight man in his forties. I said, do you think it's easier for women or men to get into a committed relationship and why? And he said, women, because they can pick and choose who they date. Men can ask a hundred women out. They find attractive and not get a single date. And I think that's sort of a, like a common response or, or a popular, I guess, response, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, of what men, um, say. Um, but here's another man, a straight man in his forties and his answer was different. It was, I think that it's easier for men to get into a committed relationship because more women are willing to commit to a serious relationship compared to men. And that kind of came up, um, both men and women had, had a version of that, which is basically that more women, the perception is that more women want to be in a committed relationship. And so it's easier if you are a man willing to meet a woman there, it's going to be easier for you to get into a relationship. And, um, I don't know if you ever watched sex in the city, but there was this episode about a man being like a taxi. And if his light is on, meaning like if he's available for a committed relationship, he'll get snapped up really fast. Because most, most men, like they spend a lot of their time with their light off. And then once their light is on, and this was a perception by women, right. Uh, that, you know, once a man is ready and that word ready came up a few times in the research, like once a man is ready, it's easier for him. And I just thought that was an interesting trend that was seen like repeatedly. Um, and when I took the survey, because I always take my own surveys to make sure that they flow and all that stuff, um, my answer was, it was that the question was, do you think it's easier for women or men to get into a committed relationship? And I put, I think it depends on attachment. <laughs> I think it depends on attachment, your attachment and the other person's attachment, a- attachment style, you know, more so than, than sex. Totally. Which, which in, you know, in my book, um, also has to do with how much work you've then done around that attachment. Uh, or yeah. those, that yeah. attachment style or those attachment issues. Cause uh, you know, I think a lot of the pain I seem to see is at least with, you know, in my experience where this was painful is when I just kept chasing women that weren't available. And, and so if I did ever have, you know, perceptions of, Oh my God, it's so much easier for women. Uh, looking back, I got to take, you know, some, um, some heat for that. Cause I kept chasing women that, just were clear they weren't interested in having that experience with me. Yeah. Thanks for speaking to that. I think that's a really perceptive thing to say. And I I just kind of want to highlight another thing you said at the beginning, which is we have a tendency as human beings to take our experience and project it as universal. So if I am a uh, woman having trouble getting into a committed relationship because I keep attracting men who don't want to commit or are not, like who I feel used by, for example, like if I'm a woman and I keep attracting men where I have sex with a man and then he leaves and I feel used, if I keep having that experience, I'm probably going to say something like, well, it's easier for men to get into a relationship. 
because they just get to pick when they want to stay. And it's hard for women, you know, and I'm sort of universalizing my experience. Versus mm-hmm. If you're a man and you, like you said, you know, when you were in your twenties or whenever this was happening for you and someone asked you this question, you might've said, Oh, women, like it's easier for women to get into a, a relationship. Yeah, totally. So, um, I do want to kind of speak to, like you said, because I think, um, I do think that many of the men that we work with have, have had a hard time getting into relationships in the past. Not all of the men, but, but many. And, um, and I think that there's this, there's like a, there's a certain felt sense of that came, came up in a couple of the survey responses, a sort of a sense of like bitterness or, or anger or some sort of like women are the gatekeepers of sex or women are the gatekeepers of fill in the blank. There's like this gatekeeper thing of like, I'm knocking at the door, I'm trying and I keep getting shut down. I keep getting rejected or I, I feel rejected all the time. And yeah. I'm wondering if you can just speak to that a little bit in terms of, of have, you, have you ever had that experience and what was that like? And then maybe like what you're, you know, in the guys that we've worked with, what have you seen in this, in this sort of scenario? You know, I would say for me personally, the closest I came to that was the times I did use the apps so to speak, kind of go into the online dating thing. And, um, you know, it just, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy broadcasting, um, and messaging and initiating, and then oftentimes just not getting any kind of response. Um, and, you know, probably early on, you know, that, that stung, I think I was pretty lucky because I had a, a couple women in my life who gave me some insight about the female experience in terms of just like things, I guess to put it short, I, I learned that things I was often taking personally weren't personal, right? The fact that uh, I wasn't getting message responses wasn't necessarily like because women read them and personally were like, oh, I don't want to be with this guy or I don't, I'm not interested in this guy. It was just the kind of um, asymmetrical nature of in the online space and the way the apps are set up oftentimes uh, women tend to get more messages because the, you know, the trend of men kind of initiating that uh, is part of our culture for various different reasons. Other than a few apps that try to do it differently um, extends to that space. And then, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of men that I have worked with, you know, tend to get a little bit of fr- frustrated. Um, you know, guys I've known in my life personally and a lot of guys I've worked with, um, their pain tends to be around the, what I would call the, the first phases in, in the sense of getting a date struggle, right? Literally just getting a, getting a woman to go out on a date with them is a challenge. And so frustration uh, builds up there. Or if they do, getting past the first date in terms of... Um, not just having an endless string of first dates. And when that kind of sinks in repeatedly for a lot of men, I've noticed there's one or two reactions. There's either kind of like a collapse and hopelessness or of like a genuine kind of frustration. Like this isn't fair kind of in resentment. Um, Sometimes that builds up of like, why is this happening? I'm a good guy. 
I'm showing up and no woman, you know, is um, moving towards a relationship with me. Yeah, I'm glad you spoke to that because I would imagine if, you know, if I imagine being a man in that circumstance and I'm sending all these messages and I'm excited and I'm crafting messages and everything and I'm getting nothing back, I would be annoyed. (laughs) I feel like that's, you know, if I then had a perception on top of that, that like women's inboxes are flooded with all of these um, men and, and I just get to pick and choose and I have all of the, yeah, if I have all the choice, if I have that perception on top of that, I think I would build up resentment too. I think it would feel really unfair and it wouldn't feel um, uh, egalitarian at all. And I think I'd be angry and resentful. So I, I can empathize with that sort of uh, experience. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting because um, the, okay, so I'm going to tell a quick story. So for example, uh, one of my friends and I met these guys out like in, in real life, which is rare these days. But anyways, we met these guys out and we had a conversation. One of them got my friend's phone number and started texting her um, repeatedly. And she basically at some point said she wasn't, she wasn't interested in him romantically. And he has kept texting her for like three months and it's starting to feel a little threatening. And so there's like the, I think that the experience sometimes of, of being pursued as a woman can feel, can feel threatening in the way that some men do it. And if that happens a few times, it's like, I think that there might be a perception on the men's side that like, it's so great to be pursued. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's scary. And I think that that is less of an experience that a lot of men have had. And so they think it's like, like, I don't know, like all roses and, and unicorns on, on this side. And it's really actually quite scary. Um, And I myself have had an experience of a man um, exhibiting stalking behavior with me. And it was really scary. Like I was afraid. I was afraid, genuinely afraid. And then there are a lot of women who have the fear of, of genuinely being hurt. And I think that there's, um, there's challenges, I guess, is what I'm saying on both sides. And I think it's easy to edit out that as an experience because so few men have had those kinds of, those kinds of experiences of genuinely being afraid. Um, and of course there are men who have had those experiences. Like I've talked to multiple men who've had women who've exhibited stalking behavior and, um, you know, they happen on both sides. And if you look at the numbers, they happen, they happen more to women. And so there's just a sort of like genuine fear response that I think sometimes is hard to, to hold on to as, as, as a man, I would imagine like I'm just feeling frustrated and resentful. And I intellectually grasp that like some women are having a hard time. But for me, I'm just like, well, fuck, I can't do anything right. I can't get a date. Like women aren't responding to me. Like I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm pissed. I'm really, I'm really pissed about it. And I think um, kind of like you said, if, if that happens again and again, it can be easy to kind of be like, well, this is reality. And I might as well, you know, give up or I might as well, you know, not try anymore. And, um, and as, as, as you mentioned, some of your experience, for example, was, it was actually partly about who, about the women you were attracting. It was about, about that as well. Like your experience of women 
partly had to do with your level of consciousness and awareness and how much work you've done on yourself. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to the shifts that happened when you started to become more conscious. Totally. And, you know, I think this ties into something you, you kind of um, brought into my awareness is a, is a, I don't know, term or phrase that really has kind of sparked something since I first heard it from you, but you spoke to this thing. I don't know if it was on an episode or us personally at one point, but this idea of like trauma sex. And there's some people that just kind of like really activate our nervous system. Um, I think that extends to our attraction patterns too, and is deeply related to our attachment styles and our attachment traumas for how we grow up. Right. In that, um, at an early age, our nervous system absorbs certain lessons about what love is. And even if we're not getting a healthy version of it, it kind of gets programmed as this is kind of what love is and this is how it works. So long and short of it, for me, I tended to pursue women that weren't actually available, like that, that weren't really there. And I was wanting something that wasn't there, which was very present for, you know, how my experience was growing up. There was a, an emotional distance and unavailability in, in the way my family was concocted and spe- specifically around how things worked with my mother when I was young. So there, my nervous system was kind of used to a certain level of distance. So I would pursue women that had that distance, if that makes sense, which meant I was kind of damned from the beginning um, because what kind of bubbled up in my nervous system was women who could recreate that distance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't immediately obvious to me, but after a number of patterns of kind of, you know, as, as I've talked about on this podcast before, kind of getting super crushes on women and then kind of just angstily chasing them and then having these big emotional outbursts where, you know, I'd write a letter or I really like you. And then it would create this weird thing that they wouldn't know what to do with um, because they just weren't like available to me in, in that sense. So for me, you know, everything started to shift when I started dealing with my attachment shit and my traumas. Um, Then I became more available and who I was attracted to became a little bit more available. And, you know, one of the things I learned in my journey and that we do work a lot with our men on is stop chasing women who aren't available to you. And what I mean by that is just um, sometimes there's this perception that us nice guys have that if we just prove how nice we are is one way to put it, you know, um, that maybe she'll change her mind. And, and, and yeah, sure. There's examples of that happening, but it's not like some kind of mystery box where if I say the right thing, someone's feelings are going to totally change for me. At least that's never been my experience. And I've never really seen that um, play out in a successful way for most of the men I've worked with in the sense that if they come into working with us and they've kind of been chasing someone, um, it doesn't tend to like shift long-term. What tends to shift is their side of the court. All right. Wow. Okay. I'm not going to pursue women who aren't available for me. I know what I'm available for. I'm going to start leading for that. So they start to attract different women, but if they go after those women who weren't, particularly available to them, 
it, it just, it, it hasn't last. I haven't seen examples of it lasting. Um, unless maybe that partner, that person they've pursued just happens to be doing their own work at the same time. And then, yeah, something might be possible, but yeah, long and short of it for me was like my nervous system was most familiar with like a certain amount of, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but like a distance. And then I came to expect that. So that's kind of what I, it's, it's hard to say I chose it, but there was something in my nervous system that gravitated towards women that I knew or that just weren't going to actually meet me in that. And there was ironically, you know, as a very late bloomer, there was a lot of safety in that for me because it meant I never had to go through the vulnerability of actually getting in to an emotionally connected relationship with a woman. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought this up and I loved your distinction between it's not exactly that you were choosing these women. It's almost like your nervous system was choosing for you. And I just want to slow that down because I think it's a confusing thing sometimes to hear like, Oh, you're choosing unavailable women. And, and I think there are a lot of men that are like, what the fuck? I'm not choosing unavailable women. Like I'm, I'm trying to be with women I find attractive, but if you're not conscious of, of your trauma wounds, if you're not conscious and you're not bringing those to the surface and, and basically dealing with them, then you're going to repeat the patterns that you've, that you've had, especially those with your primary caregivers, right? So if you, like part of what you described was sort of like kind of an emotionally distant house and maybe even a physically distant house, right? You grew up without a lot of totally. physical without a lot of warmth and um, loving um, words. And, you know, it's just sort of like a distance, like not, not a lot. And we've heard that from a lot of our guys. I think a lot of our guys have grown up in similar kinds of homes. Then when you grow up as an adult, if you, if you don't do the work to become conscious, then you unconsciously attract the same kind of dynamics. There's just something about human beings where this is a thing that we do. If we haven't worked on ourselves and done consciousness work and done the work, then we tend to create the same similar patterns to those that we grew up with, even if it's not the same, you know, like, like a good example for me is I I was on an emotional roller coaster with my mom and I was always trying to please my mom and, and have it be that she wasn't mad at me. Right. Like that was like my, that was a big deal in my childhood. And so I totally recreated that in my first major romantic relationship. It wasn't the same, but the roller coaster felt the same. The roller coaster of like, oh shit, mm-hmm. did I do something wrong? Is he mad at me? How can I grovel to get his attention back? Because I don't want him to be mad at me. And like, it was really addictive. And I think a lot of us do that of recreating these patterns until we slow down and get conscious and do our work. And then we can actually sort of create something new and, and generate a healthy relationship, possibly for the first time, right? If we didn't have that modeled in our family of origin, we might be the first person in our family tree to, to have a healthy relationship. And I think that's kind of one of the most inspiring parts of, I would say, the work that we do with men is I'm like, people in our program are breaking, breaking family patterns, breaking patterns and creating healthy relationships where there wasn't necessarily one, you know, in their in their past. Absolutely. Um, you know, choosing to build a different future, right? Cause some of these nervous system patterns go back generations. You know, I would very much argue and there's the research to show and it does take this like willingness to kind of turn inside. And, you know, as I like to put 
say, you know, there's a certain taking responsibility. I didn't ask for the situation I was raised in, right? Um, but I'm responsible. I became responsible and chose to become responsible for dealing with it and the impact it had on me and how I was showing up, which impacted, you know, the experiences I was having with the opposite sex and with the same sex for that matter. Um, and that, you know, this is something that has to happen on both sides uh, for men and women. And, you know, I think you know, just tying it back to my story again, one of the things I had to take responsibility for learning was like actually how to be in my body and flirt. Mm. Like, like as, as crazy as that sounds, like I did, like you're right. There was physical distance as well in, in my house. So for me, there was this kind of like contradiction in that, like, I expected that if I told someone I liked them, that was like it, like they know I like them. So that should be it. And I didn't understand. Do you mean like I told them I liked them, therefore they should date me? That, that, that should like be enough. (laughs) Not not necessarily that they should date me, but like that, oh, that's what I do. And then, yeah, like, why isn't this coming back? And one of the things I had to learn was, just using my words like that in these kind of awkward pent up and then emotion comes out was very different from like being in my body and consciously connecting um, and, and learning how to actually show my interest in someone physically. Like that's like that simple, you know, it's kind of um, like actually having to learn the skill of showing my attraction to someone rather than just saying it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like that's something I had to take responsibility for. Um, And the pattern I kept getting in until then was, uh, you know, going after these women that weren't quite available and expecting that if I just told them at some point, (laughs) someone would like me back when it's like, well, nervous system to nervous system. I wasn't creating any kind of experience for them to connect with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, another way of saying that is is you were really in your head. Yes. It's hard for women to feel you and to feel your your actual interest, your actual sexual interest or availability because you were kind of stuck in your head. That's that's a great way to put it, totally. Yeah, I um I do want to share a few of these of these answers because I think some of them are really really great from the from the survey response. Um this is again the uh do you think it's easier for women or men to get into a committed relationship? This is a man in his thirties who says, generally speaking, I think it's easier for women to get into committed relationships. My suspicion is that this likely has to do with the fact that while I believe both men and women want to find a long-term partner, our our culture tells, tends to tell women they have a smaller window in which to find one. I think this often gives men the comfort in believing they can always settle down tomorrow and a certain fear of missing out pushes them to take advantage of that. And, um, I thought that was such an interesting response because it sort of touches on like the, the stress or anxiety for women of like, oh my God, I have to find a man before a certain age, either for societal norms, like, oh, I'm going to look, look old or, um, I want to have babies, right? Like I want to have bio children. And so I need to find a partner now, whereas men have a bit more space and room and they don't have that same, um, runway 
<laughs> right until a certain age. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of name that as a, as a part of this equation, because I do think that it, it comes up in a way for women that it doesn't come up with, with for men. I think that's so true. And, um, you know, I, not all men, again, for every example I give here, there'll be contradictions, but I often hear more from men that, yeah, I want to date a woman younger than me and particularly older men, right? I want to, I'm looking for someone who's a little bit younger in case I still want to start a family. Um, like that's a, that's a real thing. So, you know, that's one place where I think the power is really different, right? You know, age is a big part um, of like, again, when are you dating uh, and who has the power in those situations? Yes. And who has the perceived power? Cause I think, you know, that word came up a lot. And really when I was sort of crafting this survey, I was like, yeah, a lot of this is about perceived power. And um, again, you know, where, where I feel powerless, where I feel helpless versus where I feel powerful in myself for me has had a lot to do with me doing, doing my work. And it's actually not so much about the external circumstance. It's more about my experience of it. And when I have done therapy sessions or NLP sessions around feeling helpless, even in terms of like people aren't doing the dishes and I feel helpless because if I, if I do them, I feel resentful. And if I don't do them, I I hate the dirty kitchen. Like there's a feeling of powerlessness there. And when I really dug down, it has always been about childhood shit. Like there's never Mm -hmm. been a circumstance when it hasn't been about that. And once I get in there and I do some work around it and I kind of hold myself, right? Like, take care of myself and do self-care specifically of like young parts of me, then I feel totally differently about the dishes. I end up feeling differently about the external circumstances. Um, but I do, you know, these, all of these questions are, are multifaceted because there is, there is an intersection of, of our personal experiences as human beings and our wider culture. So when we're talking about women and age, right? We're talking about real dynamics in our culture and, and those don't get erased by what I'm describing in terms of our like personal circumstance. There's an interaction. It's alive. It's not one or the other. They're both happening at the same time. Um, and I think that's, that's sort of like a similar thing is, you know, if I, if I, as a woman go up to a, um, when I lived in New York city, there were a lot of parks and some of them had the, the um, places where kids would play and they'd have a little gate, you know, and, and you couldn't go in if you didn't weren't accompanied by a child. If I, as a woman, like leaned on the fence and was like, you know, watching the kids play, nobody really gave a second thought to that. And like, I'm smiling and I'm obviously enjoying the kids playing. If I were a single man doing that, I think the perception would be different. So there are dynamics around a man being seen as perverted or gross or creepy that I have that, that don't occur for me because I'm in the body that I'm in. And I think, so anyways, that's just, it's happening on both sides. It's not one or the other. And it's like a layer that's on top of, you know, where I came from and my family dynamics and all the rest of it. Um, I wanted to give this one a shout out. This is a straight woman in her fifties. Do you think it's easier for women or men to get into a committed relationship? She says, as a female, I have the harder time to be in a committed relationship. I really don't know why I'm wired this way. If I have to compare, most of my female friends want to be in healthy, committed relationships. My male friends, not so much. 
Um, and I also saw this answer a couple of times, which kind of goes back to what we were saying. This is a straight man in his forties said, um, do you think it's easier for men or women to get into a committed relationship? He said, men, when they are ready. <laughs> yeah. I love, I, that's one thing I really enjoy about survey responses that frequently, um, the men will just put like one to three words, but they cut right at the heart of whatever the question is. Like, it's just like, here's my response <laughs> and move on, which I think is great. And just, yeah, just seeing the differences, but then other men will write entire essays. So it's just cool to see. I love, thank you to everyone, by the way, who responded, because I think a number of you will be listening to this. So I really appreciate it. I love, I always love hearing, hearing from you. Okay, um, I wanted to, I think this will take us in an interesting direction. I, I asked more than just this one question. I also asked people, do you think it's easier for women or men to have casual sex? And then I put in parentheses, sex outside a committed relationship. And um, interestingly, I actually didn't specify what I meant by easy. And so I think there are two ways to interpret this question. And I sort of got two different kinds of answers. So some people um, were sort of like, so, okay, I'll just read this answer because I thought this was pretty good. This was a straight man in his late 20s. He said, I think it depends on how easier is defined. If we're talking about easier access, women. If we're talking about easier to be emotionally unattached to make it casual, men. So I thought that was an interesting uh, kind of like design flaw in the survey is that I didn't specify whether I meant is it easier to actually physically have casual sex, right, as a, as a woman or a man? Or is it easier emotionally to have it, right? Is it, you know, totally easier on you to have it, which points a little bit to what you were talking about, Jason, of when do challenges show up, right? Like you, you were mentioning this um, before we started recording, but just the, is it easier, you know, for like a lot of men, the challenge is like, asking the woman out, getting a yes, you know, getting a second date, doing, you know, doing that part. Whereas for some women, the challenge is I can get, I can get a date. I can have sex. It might not necessarily be quality sex or good sex or nourishing sex for me, but I can have physical sex. But then what if I get left? Like then I run the risk of feeling used. I run the risk of feeling like a slut. Um, I run the risk of being called a slut, right? Depending on where you are and and age and all that, um, age as in what I'm talking about is specifically, um, school, right? Middle school, high school, college, being labeled a slut is, is more, feels important and still happens all the time. And that kind totally. of that sense of like fear carries with us as women from, from beyond that time. So, so the challenge of like, okay, yeah, I can physically have sex, but then what happens after that? do I, will I feel used? Will I, you know, will I actually, you know, be used? And, um, this, I thought this survey response kind of got to that, to that. This was a man in his thirties. He said, this was in response to, do you think it's easier for women or men to have casual sex? He says, men by default, sex requires a certain level of trust and risk, but men generally only have to trust that their sexual partner doesn't have an STI Whereas women also have to trust that their partner will not compromise their safety, feelings, or reputation. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, you know, that, that's another way to, you know, one thing I've thought about is, 
you know, in terms of who has the power or perceived power, so to speak, right? There's one way I was thinking about this is like unconsciousness in the sense that like for most of us men, we tend to be able to kind of move through the world or dating a woman unconscious about our physical safety, right? It's not like something I think about uh, or a lot of men I I have to... um, I know, think about like, well, if I go meet this woman somewhere, is that going to be safe for me if there's no one else there? Uh, Like we have the privilege of kind of being unconscious in that sense. And, you know, on the flip, I would say not quite a a parallel, but um, there's like, you know, a space where for a lot of women, if they really just wanted to go out and have a man sleep with them, they could just kind of go out into certain environments and a man would pursue them, like particularly at a bar or something like that, without really having to think about it. Um, that first part, whereas, you know, a man kind of has to think about it and pursue and put all this energy into it. But, um, you know, this is one of those perceived power areas. I, I think uh, a lot of men don't necessarily understand uh, the safety thing. For, for one, that, uh, you know, you and I talk to our guys a lot about, about how big a deal safety is and how much we really need to think about it. Um, and also that piece around what you mentioned of just like, you know, even, even you and I, we run in pretty conscious communities and still underneath, I would say more often than not, there's a generalization that, um, you know, if a man has had a lot of sexual partners, he's successful. If a woman has had a lot of successful partners, she's a slut, right? Like that seems to be something, a belief our culture kind of holds. And so when that belief is underneath our culture, that's going to bubble up in a lot of areas. Cause you know, another place, you know, we've sometimes heard is like, why do I always have to pursue the woman, right? As the man. Like I always have to be the one to walk up to her. In, in in my mind, that's related to some of that, you know, because there are judgments of like, oh, if a woman pursued a man, what kind of woman would do that, right? Is she, is she just trying to get sex? And that's just one of those awful things in our culture that has repercussions in terms of perceptions of power, I think. Yeah, that's well said. I thought this was an interesting survey response related to that. This was uh, a man in his sixties answering, do you think it's easier for women or men to have casual sex? He said, I think it's easier for women, of course, how picky and how willing women are to be, to be, to being openly sexual determines their experience. Men on the other hand, hunt for women and women attract men. The easily attractive ones, meaning easily attractive women are consistently more in the position of simply saying yay or nay, while the men mostly only hope they can say yay. Nay is not a frequent option. Don't the stats say women have at least three times the number of sexual partners? So I'm going to go ahead and answer that last question, which is don't the stats say that women have at least three X the number of sexual partners? No. Um, Statistics are varied on this, but the average um, number of partners is consistently lower for women. So some stats say like average number of sexual partners for women is four and for men is seven. And then for other studies, it says for women, it's five and for men, it's nine. So, and I, and I believe that part of that is, um, 
Yeah, exactly what you said, uh, Jason, about safety, um, both both emotional and physical safety. Um, like there are several reasons that I, as a woman, don't have lots of sex with lots of partners. And I'm just speaking for me, for me right now. One of them is safety, right? Like I'm, I am concerned about getting an STI. That's the thing that I think about. The other is emotional, emotional safety around like, is this man going to be good in bed? Is he going to have some attention on me? Am I going to end up feeling like I'm expected to service him? And it's not that I can't say no, but I think that porn trains men to sort of use women as a sexual object for their gratification. Like I, you know, I, I am kind of faced with that when I hook up with, with men and need to somehow address it. And so, so there's a little bit of me that's like, I don't know. I mean, I could bring him home, but I'm not sure it's going to be pleasurable for me. I like, I don't, it's a question mark for me. I don't know how that's going to go for me. Um, and then I think the third thing, which is not so true for me, but is generally true. I think in our culture is, am I going to feel like shit the next day? Am I going to feel like a slut? Like, am I going to feel bad? Am I going to feel worse? Um, because I made this choice. And I think many of those, um, are not necessarily things that men need to think about, or that there's less, uh, social risk for them on that side of things. Um, STI risk, totally the same. And that said, I could see as a man being like, well, I'm not even being given that access. I'm not even being given that choice. I don't even have that option of sort of saying no. And I think that's, you know, kind of what this guy was saying of like, you know, women have the option of saying yay or nay. Men only have the option of saying yay. (laughs) Like they're, they're not presented with all of these opportunities. And then they're saying, saying nay. Um, And, and I was just curious if you had any thoughts about that that kind of aspect of it. Um, Again, I I think it kind of depends on, you know, I would say there are some men that have that experience um, in in that they are getting to say yay or nay. Um, So again, just to kind of burst that bubble uh, for, for some that it's not that way for everyone. Um, but this is again to me in my mind it's like a thing of of timing where so that, you know th- this is something we talk to our men about and so this is another kind of orienting generalization that i have experienced in a lot of men and women and a lot of masculine and feminine doesn't necessarily mean it's true for everyone but that for a lot of men they kind of want to have sex with someone to find out if it's a connection they want to pursue and like build a relationship and for a number of feminine women that I've conversed with and known, it's kind of the opposite. Like I want to build some connection partly because of these safety reasons we're talking about before I physically open my body to him. And so there's kind of like a, a mismatch sometimes in that sense, it, which is again, kind of just, it's more of a perception. It's not that one side has more power than the other. And you know, this is where age swings right back into it um, as well. Cause I, I, I think it just depends, <laughs> depends on where, where the woman's at and where the man's at in their life journey and, and what they're looking for at that specific time. But that, you know, I think it's, you know, I would argue that it's easier for uh, a lot of men just to have sex with someone and then decide if they want to be in a relationship because they're not concerned about 
um, their safety. They're not concerned about getting pregnant. They can just walk away. Uh, you know, for the feminine nervous system, it's a little different and safety is a much bigger priority in that. So there's, there's kind of wanting to know, you know, um, what's this experience going to be like for me? Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the, you know, again, sort of that word power comes in and actually, you know, one of the, the last, the two, the last two questions on the survey had to do with power. The first was once in a relationship, who do you think has more power, the woman or the man? And then the last question was in your personal experience, how often have you felt, or sorry, have you felt often like you held the power or that your partner did? And, um, people were pretty split in terms of a lot of their answers to a lot of these questions. Um, and I would say that there, there was a correlation between there was a contingent of men where it was like, you know, it's easier for women to get into committed relationships. Women hold the power. And I have never felt like I had power in, in a relationship. There was like a, you know, a group of, of people of specifically of men that had that, um, orientation. And then there was a group of people who were basically like, uh, what was this? I'll leave you this one. Oh, this is a man in his forties. And his answer to the, um, in your personal experience, how often have you felt like you held the power that your partner did? And he said, any relationship that had that feeling of one side having more power than the other didn't last very long. <laughs> and there was someone else who said, uh, basically in a healthy relationship, it, it doesn't feel like that. It's not about who has the power. And there were a couple people that kind of pointed to that of, um, you know, if it feels like that, right. If I feel like I have no power or my partner feels like he or she has no power, there's probably something going on. And I think that speaks again to this idea of consciousness and, you know, people, people who are doing their personal work and doing work in, in the couple, you know, I, I you know, you're in a, a healthy marriage. So I guess I was just wondering what has your experience been of, of power in, in relationship when you were maybe say less conscious than you are now. And then as you, you know, become more conscious. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think it's, it's kind of even in that we both have responsibility. So, you know, any relationship is created on by two people. Uh, so it takes both people being willing to work on that, which I'm lucky to be in a marriage where that's true. You know, we we're both willing to take responsibility for our, our traumas, so to speak, and, and the ways uh, we show up in relationships so that the power feels pretty balanced there to me, honestly. And um, that feels really good in, in, in my relationship. Um, and I think that's, you know, I would hope that's maybe more common in general, like, like people said, in healthy relationships where both partners are doing their work, so to speak. You know, before I forget, there was just one other in terms of like uh, perceptions of power in terms of timing as being a part of it. You know, one really kind of clear example I might just paint is like at the bar, right? Just at a bar full of, uh, regular people who aren't doing work on themselves, right? This is just a big generalization. Um, the perception of power there might be that any woman there could get laid that night if she wanted and the men are pursuing her. 
That's one reality, right? Uh, there's a totally different reality in terms of this world we're, we're in, where to just kind of open the minds, I think, of some men out there. I'd like to just share that in the conscious communities, the thing I hear over and over and over and over and over and over and over from women is where are all the conscious men? Where are they? Where are they? Where are the men who are doing their work? And uh, there, there's a, a difference there I have seen in that, you know, I go to relationship workshops, I go to intimacy workshops, embodiment workshops, and there's a ton of women there. There's not a lot of men there. There's not a lot of men there. So there's a, a perception of power totally different there, right? Um, that is just another example I wanted to put, you know, kind of point out there in terms of the timing, but that, uh, you know, ideally, you know, when you do meet someone who's doing their work in those types of communities, yeah, it is kind of even because you're co-creating. It's not one person has all the power. It's, it's a, it's a shared vision of what we're building together. Yeah. Thank you for speaking to that. Cause I, that, you know, on a personal level, I would say that's been my experience is I'm like, I mean, yeah, I could go out and, and have bad sex anytime I want. I could do that. I have, I have the quote unquote power, but you know, there's this quote that says, um, for men, sex is scarce for women. Good sex is scarce. And <laughs> there's a, there's a sense of that too, of, um, you know, I don't, I, first of all, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, that's not what I want to do. And, and in terms of, you know, dating and relationships, I, I totally agree with you. I think I definitely have a scarcity mindset or have had one around, like, there aren't that many choices if I want a conscious man. It feels like exactly what you said of there are fewer choices available to me if I want a man who's doing the work. It feels like there are just fewer of them. And so the pool is way smaller. And I think maybe for a lot of men, they're looking at it as like, oh, women have this huge pool of, of people to choose from or of men to choose from. And, you know, while technically that's true, if I as a woman want a conscious man who's doing his work, it feels to me like the pool is a whole lot smaller. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I would maybe argue that it is Yeah. <laughs> for, for, again, for different reasons in that, you know, uh, the women's movement, so to speak, uh, because it was so uneven for so long in terms of the, you know, the, the patriarchy and dominating culture, you know, women kind of burst forth into a new way of being starting back in the, you know, fifties and sixties, really, uh, men's work much newer, you know, 10 years ago, if I talked about a men's group outside of Boulder, no one knew what that was. No one had any idea. I was like a weirdo. Now it's like really in my experience, you know, and I'm still in a bubble, but showing way more up in culture that, oh yeah, men have to do internal work and they get to go do this stuff with other men and it's really valuable and it causes all kinds of things. And I think there's just a, a timing mismatch there where there have been a lot of women who have been going to relationship workshops, been doing the different things for how do I create a, a conscious partnership and that there haven't been as many men there. There have been men there, but there haven't been as many. So I, I would argue that, yeah, there's a perception there and there's kind of a truth mm -hmm. um, to, to, that ex to some of that. And that that's, again, it's like where you're looking and what kind of work have you done? Um, if you're only looking at that surface level, yeah, you may think women have all the power. But if you look a little deeper, you may see, wow, it's actually much more complex um, 
in terms of how these things play out. Yeah. And I, I think the good news here is that if you're a man who is willing to do the work and you are diving in, becoming more conscious, you know, the scales are going to tip in your favor, <laughs> basically, right? From what you know, we're discussing and from what I've seen. And I would also just kind of mention, like, yeah, like part of the reason that I, you know, haven't um, slept with guys that are less conscious is because I'm sort of like, well, you're not real. Like, I, I wouldn't feel safe. I don't feel safe letting you see my heart. There's a way that I don't feel like you can handle me showing my true emotional heart because you're not there yet. Like you're not emotionally aware and awake yet. And so it makes me less excited to sleep with you versus I recently dated a conscious man and the experience was totally different. I was like, oh yeah, you're doing your work. You're in a men's group. You would be in that men's group, whether I was in your life or not. Like you are, you are on your path separate from me. You are on your path. I found that very hot. And the experience of dating him was much smoother. And it's not that I didn't get my feelings hurt. I did, but we were able to actually talk about it. And I had the faith that he could meet me there. And it was a completely different experience. I was like, yes, this is why I want to date conscious men because it's fucking better. (laughs) It's fucking better experience for me. And I felt way more held kind of the whole way through and was like, yes, this is the bar. I want to date men like this. And this, this brings up one last thing I want to name that um, I've sometimes worked with some of our clients with before is in tying it back to some of the resentment or frustration of like, why do I have to do work in order to get into a relationship? Right. Like that's actually kind of a thing. Like, why do I have to, why can't someone just, you know, be with me as is, I think that's like a, a perception of power that, Um, you know, men in the masculine have to do a a certain amount of work, um, which I actually argue, yes, we do, we do to be able to be in this kind of conscious relationship that um, there can be some frustration around. Um, But I think it's, it points to kind of what you were naming at, like for the majority of unconscious men, I would say um, in some sense, you know, they would happily, just sleep with a woman once, twice, a couple times, um, who hasn't done any inner work, but that they will just kind of enjoy physically. Like this is again, a big stereotype I'm, I'm speaking about, but of the men and women I know, more men I know are, are open to, I just kind of want to explore right now and X, Y, and Z. I'm not sure I want to commit, you know, some of the patterns we saw in this list um, versus you know, men having to do a certain amount of work to be able to create that safety. So the feminine can experience that safety and open. Like there, there, I think there is something to that. Now you may say that that, that's unfair as a man. Um, But again, it just also kind of depends on who you want to date. You could probably go out and find a woman who hasn't done her work so much that will kind of meet you more in that space but you probably, anyone listening to this show is probably interested in actually, even if it's a short term, even if it's um, not monogamous, creating something where there's some actual connectivity. And that just, that takes a certain amount of relationship skills that we have to cultivate as men. And guess what? My wife works with women. Tons of women are having to do a shit ton of work to be able to attract the type of man they want to attract. Again, it's just a perception. 
said, oh my God, all us men, we have to do all this work to be able to attract partners. There's a lot of women out there who are having to do their own types of work to be able to attract and keep a partner too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like, you know, what you said there about the, um, you know, you just mentioned sort of like balance and, um, and shared power is what I heard. You didn't say that word, but in your, in your relationship, and I think in a healthy relationship, there's shared power. And I, and that feels really good because it's like, when I'm strong, I can support you. And like, if you fall down, like I've got you, like there's a flexibility in the relationship and in the dynamic for both people to be in their power and for the relationship to actually serve them and have them invite even more of their greatness out instead of which I think is only possible in a conscious relationship because if we're not in a conscious relationship we're just going to be replaying patterns that kind of keep us small and that's I think a lot where you know the chasing shows up and just all the you know the resentment on both sides all of that is like it's just not it just doesn't feel as good as like shared power and um yeah, I just, I kind of wanted to, to speak to that. And it, it, there's this uh, survey response I thought was poignant. Um, he, he just said very simply, once in a relationship, who do you think has more power? And he said, neither, they both have equal power or they should. And I think that's sort of the, the goal, <laughs> right? Of healthy relating and healthy relationships is how can we each be in our power and invite that out in our partner as well so that we're, we're sharing it. I love that. And yeah, I totally think that's the ideal is right. You know, power in the way I think a lot of times it's interpreted is, you know, directly correlated with like controlling our partner who has the control of the relationship. But the truth is in a really good relationship, like we're talking about, neither partner's controlling it, right? We're just both vulnerably showing up and doing our best. Um, and there's mistakes and great things and, and, and all that, but it's hard on both sides. You know, it takes vulnerability on both sides, it takes vulnerability from the feminine partner, it takes vulnerability from the masculine partner. Yeah. Um, and it takes a commitment to that vulnerability, you know, which, which in my mind would kind of be what I mean by like that shared power of like, Hey, we're doing this thing together. Sometimes I'm going to get it right. Sometimes you're going to get it right. Sometimes neither of us are going to get it right, but we're trying to build this thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that because that feels like actually the most exciting, the most exciting is I'm showing up and you're showing up and we're seeing what, what is created instead of I'm controlling this, I'm controlling things. And yeah, I hope, I hope that, that more than anything, the sort of takeaway from this is that the more that you do your consciousness work and the more that you do your internal growth, you know, the more growth you do, the easier it gets. And what I mean by that is when, you know, it's kind of what you indicated of, you used to be chasing and trying and striving and look in, you know, having these super crushes on women and not getting the attention you wanted. And then when you became more conscious, you, you kind of effortlessly attracted the right woman. It wasn't, it wasn't the same feeling of chasing someone who wasn't really there. It was, oh, we're relating. Like I'm really here. You're really here. There's friction, but there's, a, but there's like aliveness. There's a spark. There's relationship, not committed necessarily, but just like, wow, we're really doing this instead of the old pattern. 
100%. And there's no way around it in my mind for creating a great relationship. You just, you got to deal with your stuff. You got to look at your stuff. You got to know your stuff. Um, and, and, and once you do that, you know, the perceived power, I actually think will change for a lot of people on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to start to wrap up here. Um, if there's anyone, I just want to mention our, um, our class that we teach, Jason, could you, I think it's, um, could you just mention that? <laughs> if people, if men in particular want to go deeper, Jason and I have a masterclass available for free and, um, Jason will tell you more about that. Yeah. So, uh, Mel and I have a, what I would argue is an awesome <laughs> 40 minute, pretty deep, pretty packed, uh, presentation, how to take control of your love life, which is about the, how to take responsibility piece of how do I take responsibility for everything happening on my side of the court? Um, which, which is, you know, a huge part of, of getting into the type of relationships we want. And we kind of cover five really, um, potent different shifts you can make immediately to, to change things. And you can check that out by just going to evolutionary.men slash dear men. And it'll have all the instructions you need um, for how to take that webinar and then reach out to us if you want to learn more afterwards. Cool. So evolutionary.men slash dear men. And we will see you next time. 